All right, welcome, welcome everybody. So, gonna be getting started here for the day. Streams are good, and the chat's good. Okay, good. I uh, just give me one sec. Just getting set up here. Okay. So, welcome. Right, so we're going to be talking about the love of Jesus Christ, right? So Christ is directing Christians, leading Christians. The whole purpose of the Bible is to lead Christians to a better life, right? A good life, a spiritual bond with the one true living God, right? And this is uh, reflected, right? And there are common themes much like this one. But beginning in in the first pages of the Bible to the very end of the Bible, so when you start reading your Bible and you, you're grasping these common themes, right? This is also another way that you can root out some mistranslations found within the Bible. But, right, the main focus on the Bible is love, teaching people to do things that are good for themselves, right? We lead people to the life of, to a life of happiness, right? To a life of joy, to a life of God's glory, right? That is what we are going for as Christians. That is what we are striving for, what we're working for in our lives, right? So that uh, don't strive uh, teaching, it's again, not accurate, right? And so understanding that God wants to use us, right? God wants a relationship with us, God wants to co-labor with us. He wants to have that union that he experienced with Adam and Eve in the garden prior to the fall, prior to the curse. However, right, this will involve uh, we ourselves, right, engaging in an agreement with God to keep ourselves holy, right? In uh, the book of Exodus, uh, Moses is leading the Israelites out from Egypt. And they have just been uh, released from slavery, captivity from the Egyptians, right? The plagues came and God set them free, right? And so understanding, right, the despair, the bonds of despair, the bonds of slavery, the bonds of servitude. God can and will break these for you, but you have to follow and do what God says. If Moses hadn't had a had have told God, no, I'm not going to go speak to the Egyptians. Well, God probably would have gotten someone else, right? And we would have never heard of Moses, right? And so understanding that when God chooses you to do something, he is setting that point ahead of you in your life. All you have to do is keep walking with God and you will reach that point. However, by free will itself, you indeed have the ability to refuse to do God's will. And understanding this is important, right? So that we don't get discouraged feeling like that we lost uh, what God has in store for us. That's nonsense. God is great enough. God is strong enough. God is good enough to, to part the Red Seas, to tear down the mountains in between us and our dreams. That is who God is. He is the one true God. He is the Lord God of Israel, right? He is the overcomer, the chain breaker, the alpha and the omega, right? First and the last, right? And so 
just like the Israelites, what in certain periods of our lives, we may feel like, hey, I'm not going to make it. Man, God must have forgotten me. But those feelings are faithless feelings, right? They are feelings without God, right? We have to get ourselves, get the faith in to ourselves, into our temple, so that we can walk forward even when the times of despair are seeming to uh, rise up to the shoulder level. And so, just like with the Israelites, God can do for you. There is nothing that God is not willing to do for you that he's done for me. There's nothing. When you're seeing these very successful teachers, when you're seeing these very successful preachers, when you're seeing these very successful authors, right? God is willing to do that for you. If you take up his covenant and it is an agreement, right? And when the Israelites were led by God himself out of Egypt, right? The, the Israelites uh, offended God. And this uh, sequence of instances of, uh, of events, right, ended up with Moses praying God for, for God to spare the people. For God to spare the people from his wrath. They didn't know at the time the ways of God. They didn't have biblical teachings pointing the way, saying, this is the nature of God. They, The Israelites had been dwelling in the mud and the muck and the sin of their societies. But after God saw that they had fully adopted, given in, made a calf, right? Uh, an idol which is repulsive to God. He hates it, right? And once he had seen that they've done this, he was at the point of destroying them and turning his back on them. But Moses begged God and said, it's my fault. Please don't destroy these people. Instead of destroying these people, can you please show us your ways? Since you are what makes us holy, Moses says, Show us your ways so that we can be your people. Will you teach us, God? Will you lead us, God? Will you lead us to those realms of exaltation, of greatness that almost all of mankind is seeking, but so few of mankind knows the road to get there? That road is contained within the Bible. It is contained within the Holy Scriptures. If you put them into practice, and you discern them accurately, you will get to that point of exaltation that Moses himself found, that the Israelites found, where they were born into slavery, born into working for other people, right, without choice, into freedom, into a life of riches, into a land of milk and honey, right, into a land of their dreams. And so God is willing to go with you. He's willing to raise you up, but he has to see that he can trust you with his covenant. If God can't trust you, don't expect much. That is uh, the first commandment, right? Love the Lord your God, right? Serve no serve no other gods before me. 
right? And so when you turn your back on God, he doesn't like it much. And so you have to establish a repertoire of trust with God. He has to know he can trust you. And you have to know that you can trust God. And God is leading you to that point of exaltation. But you have to have the trust to follow. And so the Israelites, uh, and this is now moving into the book of Leviticus and Numbers, right? They're establishing uh, the law of the Old Testament, which uh, in the, in the uh, video I released last night, Did Jesus End the Law? We go over that Christians still indeed follow 100% of the entire Bible, right? There is no uh, half a Bible. God did not write half a Bible in air. Right? God is not human that he should err. So we follow the whole Bible, right? Understanding that the, the commandments of love come first, right? When Christ says, I des desire mercy, not causing other people to suffer, right? You have to grasp these foundations of Christianity. And when you apply these powerful foundations to your own life, don't be shocked if your life starts to experience some sort of polar shift where you are going from 100 degree temperatures into a cool, nice area, right? A life of hardship into the life of your dreams, a life of poverty into a life of plenty, a life of suffering into a life of blessing. That is what God is offering you. God is able. The stories of the Bible are not there to show you fantasy. They are there to show you what God is offering each and every one of us who will follow the ways of God over their own ways, over their own beliefs, over their own desires, their own wants, right? Over themselves, they have to serve God. That is what it means to be a servant of God, right? And so... God says to the Israel, to Moses, he says, if I came down and dwelt amongst you, even for a moment, you would all be completely obliterated. You would all die instantly. Not one of you would live. And this is why uh, in the holiest of holies, right, the priests that, that defy God, they burst into flame, right? They are... Uh, disobeying God and bringing, uh, coming too close to uh, the fire of God and the Aaron's sons burst into flame. And so understanding right, why the Bible says we're to make ourselves holy. Christians were to be a holy people because I, the Lord, your God am holy. Why the Bible says make ourselves holy, keep all that sin out of our lives. Stay away from that sort of sin. Keep it out of your families, communities, nations. Keep it away from you, right? Sin will only diminish your own life. It's not going to benefit you, right? It may look tempting. It may look beneficial. But that is the deceitfulness of sin itself, right? It is trickery. The devil is tricking you into saying, yeah, it looks good, but bad news. It's not going to be good. It's going to, well, it's going to be bad for your life. And so understanding this is the basis 
of the foundation, a common theme from the first page of the Bible to the very last. And so you, you may find people who will tickle, tickle the ears and say, hey, it's going to be incredible. I'll do whatever you like. But that's not religion, right? That's not the basis of any religion <clears throat> that I know of in the world. Not one. All right, so I'm going to be doing a, a reading from uh, Psalms 89. And this is the, these are the Psalms of David. Uh, and uh, I did finish uh, the book of Leviticus. I published that online as well as uh, another mistranslations video. Pretty much I've been doing nothing but working on stop, uh, just developing the website and uh, finishing up. Uh, Leviticus, going over it, making sure that there's no uh, no areas of of uh, bad fruit, right? No areas in the Bible that would produce bad fruit. Uh, over in the video, right, I I did explain that there are five billion copies of just the King James version sold uh, of the Bible, and in this video, I I go over saying saying that uh, in, in the King James Version of the Bible, right, Christ contra is contradicting himself because of a poor mistranslation. Christ is saying, uh, or the Apostle Paul is saying, uh, Jesus ended the law. Well, that's it's not accurate. That's opposite. It's opposite to, to Christ, right? Christ says, I did not come to end the law and the prophets. And lo and behold, in Romans 10.4, right, you have Paul saying, oh, Jesus ended the law. And Christ is sitting there saying, I did not, I did not come to end the law. So this, man, this man, mistranslation found in the King James Version of the Bible is, you know, it is drastically uh, <clears throat> misleading to the world as a whole. And yes, it is damaging, right, having mistranslations in the Bible uh, damages all members of the faith. It damages all members of right the uh, the denomination, the denominations within the faith too, right? Not just non-denominational Christians, but Catholics and uh, Seventh Day Adventists, etc., etc., etc. Right. So, making sure right that uh, you. Uh, read the Disciples of Christ version of the Bible, making sure that you uh, do some research, right, to, to, to root out poor translations. When a translation seems like, hey, you're going to, this is sort of make, causing me to scratch my head. It doesn't make sense with uh, what the rest of the Bible says, right? You might want to go and look up and seek out a few other translations of that verse. What I find often is that there are people out there uh who, who have translated the verses accurately, right? And so I'd recommend uh, BibleHub.com as well as Bible Reference, right? These are great sites for looking and overviewing many versions of the Bible. Uh, <clears throat> for those who, who really, you know, when a, when a verse doesn't make sense, right? Be sure, be sure. Or when you a verse seems maybe a little too good to be true, right? Uh, 
Christ ended the law. We don't have to do anything to be Christian. Right? That is a gross mistranslation. So here is another example of that as King David, right, is going around and doing things for the Lord, right? He's committed himself. He's built a kingdom. He's dedicated himself. He's fought for God. He's bled for God. He's dedicated his whole life to God. And understanding that is where the spark of Christianity will get the, the oxygen needed to grow into a bonfire. And when you reach that point of a bonfire, don't be shocked if you're walking on cloud nine, thanking the Lord for the blessings, thanking the Lord for your life, thanking the Lord for how things are going. Did I say thanking the Lord for the blessings? Okay. Psalms 89. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all the generations. I will declare your love stands firm forever. That you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen ones. I have sworn to my servant David, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm throughout all generations. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround them. Who is like you, God, our Lord Almighty? You, Lord God, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging seas. When, it wave, when its waves mount up, you still them. You crushed Rahab like one of the slain. With your strong arm, you scattered her enemies. The heavens are yours and the earth is yours. O King of Kings, you founded the world and all that is in it. You created the north and the south, Tabor and Hermon. Sing for joy at your name. Your arm is endowed with power. Your hand is strong. Your right hand is exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to proclaim you, who will walk in the light of the Lord God of Israel, who will consecrate themselves to the Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness. For you are their great strength, and by your favor you exalt our horn. Indeed, our shield belongs to the Lord, our King, to the Holy One of all Israel. Once you spoke in a vision, and your faithful people said, I have bestowed strength of a warrior upon you. I have raised up young men from among the people. I have found David, my servant, and with my sacred oil I have anointed him. My hand will sustain him. Surely my arm will strengthen him. The enemies will not go. The enemies will not get the better of him. The wicked will not oppress him. I will crush his foes before him. 
and strike down his adversaries. My faithful love will be with him, and through my name his horn will be exalted. I will set his hand over the sea, his right hand over rivers. He will call out to me, you are my father, my God, my rock, and my savior. And I will appoint him to be my firstborn, the most exalted of kings throughout all the earth. I will maintain my love for him forever, and my covenant with him shall never fail. I will establish his line forever, his throne as long as the heavens endure. If his sons forsake my law and do not follow my statutes, if they violate my decrees and fail to keep my commands, I will punish their sin with a rod, their inequity with flogging. And so, right, here is an, is, is an interesting uh, point, right? People like to believe that God may be, right, is just a God of love, right? But here, David himself is talking about punishments for disobeying, right? They will be punished with a rod. It means first the Lord is slow to anger, right? He will discipline us slowly. He will teach us. He will lead us. And then, right, comes flogging, right, which is, you know, a more painful punishment, right? And interestingly enough, these are, uh, can be viewed as metaphors, right? A rod, i.e., you will be put through for your sins a difficult time in your life, a time of suffering, a time of pain, right? Flogging, right? You keep disobeying. And this is a common theme throughout the Bible. Disobedience, discipline, and if they continue, it gets worse for the person. Much like a good father, God is teaching us, leading us to the ways of exaltation. God is pointing to the road to heaven, immortality, life, and life everlasting. He is offering us to lead us out of the darkness, out of despair, out of loneliness, into the realms of exaltation, but you have to walk with God. You have to lay down your own ways. You have to stop giving God reasons to punish you and start giving God reasons to bless you. And you are enough. Don't ever think, right? In modern society, consumerism, consumption, it's devouring people's lives. You are enough. God made you enough. You are made in the image of the Lord God of Israel. You lack nothing. You lack nothing. You don't need an absurd amount of money. But if that's your dream, God says, okay, just don't let it become an idol. That's fine. And like this, right, there are many dreams that people are offered, you're offered to pursue with the gift of your life. But you have to, God does not say, I'm going to give them to you. Good news, I'm going to give it to you. He says, I'll co-labor with you. He doesn't say it's going to be easy because if it was easy, you wouldn't manifest the skills necessary to get to the point of your dreams. Much of what is worth doing in life is hard. It takes time. It takes discipline. It takes study. It takes sacrifice. And so 
when we are viewing the prophets, when we are seeing what the prophets are doing for God, out of their love, their devotion, their zeal for the one true living God, that is what Christians are striving for. That is what we're aiming for. But you don't have to be an exact prophet. If you, God made us each different with different merits and different flaws. Not all men are called to be courageous warriors. Some are indeed allowed to be scholars, apostles, pa pastors, ministers, etc. Right? And understanding this is important because when you are putting together your view of what you, your life, your Christian life looks like, well, first and foremost, it has to have God as the ruler. God has to be on the throne of your life, and you have to be saying, what should I do, God? And while Christians, we walk, we walk in faith, but we walk, we walk by faith and faith alone, Christians walk, right? We surrender our lives to the ways of God, but you can't always hear God, right? It's keeping an open ear. Christianity, we keep an open ear for the Lord God of Israel. We stay connected with God at all times in our lives, throughout the days of our lives. We reach and we reach for heaven. We pursue the divine realms that God has given us examples how to pursue. God has handed us the ways to pursue and obtain our dreams. But he never says, hey, it's going to be easy. I'm going to give it to you. No, he says, work hard. And you'll reach that point. He says, work hard and I'll get you there. Right? And so, what does Jesus combined with Joshua and David look like? Well, it looks like 80, 90% love, mercy, compassion. You have to possess the ways of Christ. Christ is the keystone of the faith. Without Christ, the whole faith falls down. If Christ was a house, if you would take a keystone out of the house, the entire house would collapse. And so all Christians are mandated, required to follow the ways of Christ. That is what it means to be Christian. We are of Christ. We are of God. We are servants of God, seeking the divine ways, studying the divine ways, remaining mindful of God's ways and the lessons that he's taught us all throughout the days of our lives so that we can apply these ways and obtain our dreams, obtain the dreams that God has for our lives. But God stays first. Love, that's the first commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. The second is much like it. Love each other. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so when we walk and when Christians rule, and if you discern the divine ways and you apply them to your life, you will rule. People will come seeking your knowledge. People will come seeking your wisdom. People will come seeking the ways of God. Seeking spiritual favors, seeking spiritual blessings from you. The ones who follow the divine ways will become a city on the hill. A city on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden. A light that cannot be hidden. They will recognize you. They will know that God has given, has 
bestowed favor upon your life. This is why, right, it's an agreement. We do things for God. Christians, we are living with an open ear to God. And when God speaks, right, we as Christians are commanded to love the sound of his voice. And, you know, some would get ready when God speaks because it's not always going to be easy. It's not going to be, hey, you need to go to 7-Eleven and get me a pack of M&Ms. Unfortunately, no. Sometimes it may involve confronting uh, the head of a church in front of a large crowd of people. Sometimes it may involve rebuking an elder who is respected. And, right, you know that giving this rebuke is going to (laughs) bring suffering into your life, bring backlash. Some people won't understand that you were doing the will of the Lord God of Israel. Some people will just say, get this, get this rude guy out of here. Who let him through the door? And yeah, who knows? Maybe you're asked to leave after that. But you are doing the will of the one true living God over the will of mankind. A servant to God does not say, hey, actually, I've decided to go. I know you hired me as a servant, but I've decided to go to my friends. I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I'll see you. Right? That servant is no servant at all, right? They're a servant to themselves. So you've got to get your ways off the throne of your life. Dethrone the ways of mankind and exalt the ways of God, the divine being, right? He is not human that he would err. When you place your life in the hands of the God of love, you have made him, it is the beginning of wisdom. King Solomon says, surrender to the ways of God is the beginning of wisdom. So understanding that is extremely important. All right, that's it for tonight, guys. Blessings on you all. Don't ever forget how much God loves each and every one of you, right? God is leading you to that happy life, but you have to do it God's way. You have to surrender to God. Put your trust in God and he'll get you there. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the stream. Thanks so much for tuning in. Blessings on y'all and have a great night.